Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher, author, and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. On this podcast, we read your letters, give you advice, and help you heal without shame. Before we get into this week's episode, I have a really exciting announcement. I wrote a book. It's called Unbroken, The Trauma Response is Never Wrong, and it is available for pre-order right now. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of your indie bookstores, wherever you buy books. It's about trauma, the trauma response, shame, and how to heal. I can't wait for you to read it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. (laughs) Hi, Lisa. Hi. How's it going? Good, good. How's it going with you? Good. Should we do a re- weather report? It's raining. I was just thinking, it's raining here too. And I just like, I can't. I know. It's been a there, lot, right? I drove by. There's this um like pub that you have to drive by because it's on a main road and they have this huge like marquee sign and they like put little jokes on it. And it was nice for like three or four days here. And they put on the little marquee. Um, remember when it rained for six months? That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started raining again. Like, God damn it. And I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. Go back to Southern California. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's got to stop soon, right? I don't know. But this is like bringing me back to that summer in 2008 when it rained the entire summer in Boston. And I just like, at some point you're just like, well, okay, I'm done. I need to move. I know. Like, is this how it is in like England or like Seattle? Like, yeah, I think the Pacific Northwest is like that a lot, like for most of the year. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know how you people who do that. I don't know how you do it. They, they, I think they have great skin. Like I think there's some like benefit, right? Sure. Like an upside. They're super hydrated. (laughs) (laughs) And I think some people just aren't affected or they actually love it. I just am not, I'm solar powered. I can't. Yeah, me too. When it's like this, I can't wake up. It's like frustrating. I hate it. It's tough. Do you have any break in sight? It looks like it might be okay this weekend here. I stopped like, this is the the extent of it. Like I can't look at the weather app Yeah. because the whole winter it would be like, okay, let's look for a break. And then it yeah. would, it would be like the entire weather report for the two weeks is like rain hundred percent every day. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So then you fall into like a deep dark. I wake up hole. and I like come out of my room and I'm like, is it, what is it doing? Is it dark? <laughs> <laughs> Peek around the corner. Yeah. Oh God, go back to bed. So today we wanted to talk about a kind of viral article that was um, published on Bustle called, Is Therapy Speak Making Us Selfish? Which is a great article. You should go read it if you haven't already. It's been doing the rounds, so you've probably seen it. Um, If you only read the uh, title and then moved on, read the whole thing because it's really good. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's by Rebecca Fish Bean. Rebecca Fish Fine. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. So the the basic kind of rundown is that we have this moment in our culture where we have, we've been sort of saturated with therapy speak that specifically sort of quote unquote helps us deal with relationships, but has been something that has become weaponized that we now use against each other to be selfish and cruel. Mm-hmm. And so like, what's an example well, people are like ending friendships, you know, mm-hmm. with what feels like a, a bulletin from human resources. Yes. You know? Yes. And it's it's not the way they, they would speak to their friend, 
but they're um, like the example in the article is um, the person who's trying to end the friendship says, I'm in a place where I'm trying to honor my needs and act in alignment with what feels right within the scope of my life. And I'm afraid our friendship doesn't seem to fit in that framework. I can no longer hold the emotional space you wanted me to and think the support you need is beyond the scope of what I can offer. Mm-hmm. Pow. Pow. And then any, <laughs> I think it was this example too, when um, any like, oh my God, can we talk about this request or just met with like, I'm setting a boundary. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. That's really cold. That's really, you know. It is really I- cold. And I, you know, I think there are certainly times where you have to set a boundary and, you know, some relationships become unhealthy for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. but to launch a a speech like this or, you know, and then not offer any, and every situation is different, not offer any room for questions or feelings or, you know, is, is cold. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I think this is what, what makes the water so muddy. There are situations where sending a text like that is your only option. Yeah. And the boundary then has to be reinforced in that exact way where you say like, there will be no more discussion about this. But the thing I think that we're not very good at is making the specific general. We make the specific too general. So we're like, if this is possible in any, mo- you know, at in specific moments, then we make it like, this is how we end friendships in general, you know? Right. And there's a, there's a point in the article where it, like it's someone says like it's it's you feel virtuous when you end a friendship yes. like this yeah yeah you know that you're kind of hiding behind this therapy speak in order to yeah I don't feel better about something that feels pretty awful let's be yeah. honest yeah yep and I think it's also about you know you you weaponize something, you hurt somebody, and then you call it virtuous and you kind of stuff it underneath the category of like self-care. Right. And it's, and again, like, so if we, so if you take a situation where let's say you have a friendship that's really one-sided and the person is really sapping your energy and taking up tons of emotional space to the point where it's like borderline, like abusive, that is the situation that we want to actually bracket off because that's the situation that would be where it would be appropriate to kind of do it like that. Yeah. Especially if you have, if you're working with someone who's a difficult personality who doesn't respect boundaries very right. well, right. then sometimes that language is totally, it has to be cold. It has to be that precise, you know? Right. So bracket those out. And then what about all the rest? It's a case by case situation. You can't, you mm-hmm. can't, because there's another example in this article of where someone and does it in a family, mm-hmm. um, and it's it talks about someone who um, says her brother spent months ghosting their parents without explanation. Her parents were devastated, and when she tried to mediate or at least get some answers, the brother resisted, telling her if she defended her parents, he wouldn't feel safe. Yeah. He created this whole thing about his safety, his boundaries, his rules, she says. Obviously, that's important, but it's like he came into it with the framework, like he's the only real person in the world and everyone else has to do exactly what he says to make him safe. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's emotional manipulation. Well, we get, we have these like big words now that are like so loaded and charged yep. that, you know, yep. if you say you don't make me feel safe, then it's like everyone's got to, you know, put their hands up and, you know, back into the corner. And I don't know, it's, it's, 
it's manipulative. Like you said, it's used to get a reaction more than I think. It's not just to get a reaction. It's to take the reins of the entire situation and, and make it so that you're the only person who has a say. Right. It's tyranny. Right. Especially like in a family system. I mean, it's true in a, in a singular relationship or friendship, but in a family system, then it's like all everyone has to freeze and make sure you feel safe. But what about and, how everyone else feels? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. And are, and are you taking any accountability for your role in the situation as the person right. who's saying that you don't feel safe? What is, you know, the question that I, I see this with clients all the time, not that they're coming to me with that, but that they're seeing this kind of trend in their lives and their family systems and, and at work, like, you know, people will be, they will have people at work under them who say, I don't feel safe. And you're like stuck as an employer of like, okay, shit, like now what do I do? You know? And it's, um, obviously I think, I hope this goes without saying, if there is a situation in which you actually feel unsafe, that is an important thing to be able to articulate and to have heard. But we cannot use that word every time we have a feeling we don't like. Right. This is the same thing that happens with labels. It's the same thing that happens with, with triggers. If you had an uncomfortable situation at Starbucks, that doesn't mean you have PTSD. If you're reminded of that uncomfortable situation, it doesn't mean you're triggered. If you're angry because of someone posting something on Facebook, you're angry. You're not necessarily traumatized. Like it's the same, it's the same kind of thing. If you feel uncomfortable in a friend group or in a family, uh, number one, like welcome to the experience of being human. And number two, that doesn't necessarily equal unsafe. Right. So I think like the, the best thing you can do in these situations is actually like pause and ask the person what those big words mean to them. If they're, if they're willing to like in the situation with the, with the family member, you know, if, okay. So you feel unsafe. Can you tell me more what that means? In what way do you feel unsafe? Not, not to interrogate, but just to get some more information because without, without some more, you know, specific information, there's nothing you can do. Right. I, I I just, I, I find, you know, and I, I think we've all probably been on both sides of this, you know, Mm -hmm. at one point or another, um, What's so painful when you're on the receiving end of this is that the person has like launched a grenade, mm-hmm. you know, jumped into the foxhole. Mm-hmm. You've been blown up and mm-hmm. then there's no room for understanding mm-hmm. or conversation. And, right. And the explosion is blamed on you. Right. Even though you were standing there like un- unaware. Right. Yeah. And when it happens in in a familial situation, I think, like, I, I'm always left with the, like, okay, you might be upset about one thing that happened or a couple things that happened. Yeah. And that's okay. You can right. be upset about that. But what about the big picture? Can, right. you, can you zoom out here yeah. and, like, right. look at the relationship in its entirety? Like, mm-hmm. or are we going to, are you really mm-hmm. going to blow this up because you're upset about a couple of things? Right. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Same with like lifelong friendships. Okay. You've been friends with this person for 30 years and then they, you know, told a joke that you found offensive or whatever the hell. And you're just going to like detonate the entire relationship. Are you sure? Right. Is that that self-care? No. And honestly, like that is one of the most disturbing trends I've seen in the last, like there's really been an increase in that in the last like three years. And I have had many conversations with clients where I'm like, okay, let's think about what this looks like if you're going to really blow up your entire life. 
and all of your relationships within it, because we go nuclear so quickly, you know, it's like, we notice a trend and so, and, and this is a thing, it's so tricky because, you know, people realize, let's say they have, they're in a relationship that's, um, codependent or abusive or, or whatever. And they realize that they are not great at boundary setting. Mm-hmm. The next step is, okay, I'm going to become the best fucking boundary setter in the world. I'm going to set boundaries with the post office dude. I'm going to set boundaries at every right. single place I go. And it's right. you become this like warrior for boundaries yeah. without understanding the long-term implications of that. And so you, all these people in your life who are unaware, you, you just kind of throw them into this battle that they didn't consent to fighting, to be honest, you know? Right. It's the energy you're also leading with that you're, you're, exactly. you're walking out your front door and you are pissed boundary warrior, right. you know, and, right. and everyone is going to be right. on the receiving end of that. And that, right. you know, that can feel pretty lousy. Yep. It, it, it is tough and it's complicated because, you know, we have both had relationships in our lives where I, I'm sure there are people sitting somewhere, you know, if they're still thinking about it, I hope they're not where they're like, oh, you know, she blew that up and I don't understand right. what happened. And, right, you know, right, right. And there are personalities that you can try and set a boundary 9,000 times. Mm-hmm. And that's bulldozed over. Mm-hmm. And then you do have to become dramatic, yeah. you know that's a pick and choose situation. I mean, that's like, you know, you, that's not all the time. No, I'm trying to think of a metaphor. The thing that comes to mind weirdly is like power tools, like, you know, or you can do this with like kitchen appliances. Like if you're making like, you know, a really simple thing, you don't need to use all of your appliances. If you're trying to hang a picture, you don't need to use the power drill. Right. The power drill is super necessary. It's great that you have it in the house because there are some situations that where you're going to need that or it's right. going to be like prohibitively difficult or impossible to do the thing. Right. But if you're using the power tool to like hang a towel hook, you know, with a simple nail, that's like overkill. Right. I think we have to be more aware of the way in which tools can become weapons. And it's the same thing with, with labels you know, like people come in and they're like, I have ADHD and CPTSD and all these things, you know, and it's maybe, but what does that mean? Right. And, and, and where do you want to, where are you now and where do you want to go? You know, like, and what, what, what does that change really? What what would you do differently? Right. Because there's a label. Right. Yeah. And and I think like, you know, sometimes the label is so validating and it helps you understand your experience, but also that's like the beginning. Right. And and you can't hide behind it and make a, you know, a sandwich board and wear it around and, you know. Right. Sandwich boards. (laughs) (laughs) It is because you're in the middle and the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're the sandwich. Yeah. I've never thought about that in my life. It can feel like a cop out. It can feel like I'm not going, maybe like it could be more harmful in that in certain situations, having the conversation or experiencing the conflict Mm -hmm. might be more helpful Mm -hmm. than blowing it up and never talking to the other person again. Totally. Right? Totally. And, and, and I mean, I think the thing is like in all things, unless you're in danger, could you pause right and think about 
like, okay, how do I want to approach this? What kind what, what would I actually need? I think needs is actually one of the, the hidden most problematic things because if you push on that word, people have, there's nothing behind it. What they need in order to feel safe. Yeah. Or what, yeah. And it's like, okay, so you feel unsafe like that. Let's take that as, as a fact. What, what do you need in order to feel safe? Right. Well, I need this person to apologize. I need them to hold accountability for this thing that they did. I need a break. Like it, if you don't ask that question, there, it's hard to, you shouldn't be making a move, you know? Right. And there's also like, and th- this could be a whole nother show. So I, I, but it, this is so on my mind and it, it was sparked by that serial podcast oh, yeah. with, we are unreliable mm-hmm. narrators, especially mm-hmm. of our own stories, Yeah, which I think there's so much grace in that mm-hmm. and so much forgiveness. So if you're in a conflict with someone could you maybe, you know, if you're not in danger, if you're not mm-hmm. like, if it's not, uh, you know, a horrible situation, could you maybe consider the fact that their, their story might be different from yours? Right. And you might never agree yeah. on the same story, whatever that might be. Right. But can you put yourself into the headspace of like, okay, let's get some more information. Let's at least right. check. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, I mean, how much more grace would there be in letting the other person be heard? You don't have to have a relationship with them. You don't have to go forward. You don't have to. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just think like a relationship is, is we, we are interrelated human beings. And so I think sometimes we think we are going to gain all of our agency back by cutting cords. Right. And we don't realize that that's number one, unfair. And two, it's not going to have the, the, result that you want, you know? Right. It's not going to change the, the, the pattern. You right. know, it's not going to, you're not going to learn from it. You're going right. to. Right. And that's the other thing that happens. Like if, if this keeps happening in your life and you feel that you need to blow things up. Right. You, you're going to have to take a look in the mirror at some point. Yeah. Right. Because it's, you are energetically involved in these situations in some way. Right. And it's until you figure it doesn't mean it's your fault, but until you figure out in what way you are energetically involved, it will continue to happen. So the exactly. pattern is there and it's there for a reason and it's worth understanding. Right. But it's not necessarily the pattern is the world is bad. Right. But it's just gotten to this like crazy level of like, mm-hmm. everyone is so fucking afraid of like mm-hmm. saying anything, doing anything. Like there's a situation at work right now, which is so goddamn stupid mm-hmm. but this one person is saying that they don't feel safe in the situation yeah. where ironically this person yeah. is the one who is often like raising their voice and mm-hmm. like making everyone else uncomfortable mm-hmm. but is hiding behind the mm-hmm. i don't feel safe and it's like are you mm-hmm. fucking kidding me right well, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I think when we learn, this is, this is why it's, or the way in which it's, um, it's manipulation. When we learn that that button is going to have a really big impact, right. we are going to push that button. And, and in this situation, you know, continue with their own bad behavior while the finger's on the button. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. 
this language, this, this therapy speak, this, these words are, um, overused and they're losing their meaning and they're, mm-hmm. it's, it's becoming really toxic yep. to use one yep. of the words. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, because we end up being in a culture, like you said, where like, especially, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's maybe the most awkward in a work situation because you're like, and I've seen this with clients like who are like, okay, I have these employees who feel unsafe. Now yeah. what? And right. and you're just, everyone is stuck. It's the same thing that we see with triggers. Someone says they're triggered and then everything stops. But if someone is triggered or someone feels unsafe, that's a sign that work needs to be done. Not right. that everyone just step away. You know? Right. Everyone freeze and, you know, hit the deck. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and just what is that? What does it mean? I feel unsafe. What does that mean? And, and the situation I'm talking about, it's the person's uncomfortable. Well, right. you know, you're uncomfortable because you've created an uncomfortable situation. So right. deal with it. Right. Right. Yeah. When, when did we like get so like, when did it not become okay to be uncomfortable? Like, I know. Yeah. I think a large part of life is uncomfortable. At least 85%. <laughs> In a good situation. Right. Like, what do you, like, what's the, I don't know. It, there's also like the, there's an incredible entitlement here. Yeah. That comes with like in a work environment, I'm supposed to be comfortable all the time. And anything that puts me out of that, I'm going to call out and, and again, like detonate, like explosion is the thing that keeps coming up. It's work. You're not supposed to be, it's, that's why it's called work. Right. It's not rest. Right. It's not play. Right. It's work. Right. And also you know? like, by the way, you know, we, we, um, we need stress in order to grow. Right. That's true developmentally, but it's also true as adults. If we don't have any discomfort, we are, we will become so stagnant. Life will become unworth living. Yeah. You'll be like a sloth. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I wrote this thing about people pleasing for, um, a news outlet and I made up this acronym which I can never remember that word, which I find really funny. I'm like anachronism, <laughs> anagram. <laughs> I asked somebody yesterday what the word was for a paper cartoon. <laughs> like a comic? Yeah. Oh, shit. Go <laughs> like, oh, fuck, I need a vacation. <laughs> you know those paper cartoons? <laughs> In the olden days, we had these paper cartoons. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh my god my eyes paper cartoon <laughs> oh, um but i made up this acronym pause and i think that this is so it's like five steps to help you okay then in this case it was stop people pleasing but i think it could also be used in this case and th- so the first one is pause that's the p and so this step is to increase the space between the stimulus and the reaction. Like, so you feel uncomfortable. Okay. Before behaving out of that and blowing up everything in your life, all your friendships, all your work relationships, whatever, and, and potentially creating a whole bunch more discomfort, can you just pause? Like even a couple seconds, Yeah. you know, yeah. like, and then the second thing um, is to accept. That's what the A is. Okay. So you're uncomfortable. Get your head around that. Yeah. Discomfort is an indicator light. It doesn't mean one thing. It means there's something here. Right. And then the U was for use someone else's brain for a reality check. 
oh, that's good. Which I really like because we know, you know, neurobiologically, when you're in a really activated state, you don't have access to your full rational capacity. Yeah. And so do you have someone who you trust who is really reasoned and measured or can be in cases that don't involve them? Can you use them and say, hey, here's what's going on? You know, yeah, this is what do you think? Yeah. Here's where I'm going with it. What do you what do you see that I don't see? That's a great question. What do you see that I don't see? Yeah. Because going back to the memory thing too, like we don't see everything. We are not only unreliable narrators, we are also always partially unconscious. Right. And so the fourth is for the S is say what you need. Uh, This is the thing I think that's not happening because it's like, okay, so you, so you feel unsafe and what do you need? Right. And then the E was expect to feel uncomfortable. Right. Discomfort doesn't mean that you should behave in a certain way. It doesn't mean you should hit the detonate button. It just means that you're working through a hard thing. Right. You're becoming stronger. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're flexing a muscle. You're, you're building a muscle. You're building. You're right. Right. Resilience. Like, right. It, yeah. yeah. And you're going to learn something like, right. And it might be that you need to change the way that you relate to your friends. Like the first example in the article is about, it sounds like it's about a friend who's taking up a lot of emotional space that happens. Yep. That's a real thing. If all of your friendships look like that and you want them to look otherwise, that's totally normal. That happens a lot and it's going to bring in discomfort. That's okay. Right. Having conversations with, you're going to learn really quickly that there are some friends who are like, oh my gosh, I totally get it. I'm so sorry. How can we even this out? And then other friends are going to blow up in your face about it. Those are the friends to hit the detonate button on. Not everybody. Right. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. Yeah. That was the A? No. Yeah. No, say. That was the uh, that was the S. Say what you need. Yeah. So it's pause, like just increase the space between stimulus and reaction. If you yeah. are noticing hyperreactivity, something is wrong. Yeah. In your body. Like there your stress, you're in overdrive. Yeah. They call it in in um, burnout chandeliering. Like you you fly up to the chandelier, you you absolutely like explode. Anytime anything happens, if that's going on, like something is up. Right. And again, that's not, that doesn't have to be like a blame thing. That could be like, oh, wow, I actually haven't slept in like five days really well. And my, I'm really stressed at work in a way that I haven't even recognized. And of course, I'm feeling like super irritated when a friend calls and has a big problem they want me to talk about. Right. Okay. Accept that. All right. Use someone else's brain for a reality check. Okay. Say what you need. Well, in this case, I need some more, I need some more space for me. I don't really have a lot of time to talk about your problems. That feels really energy sapping. Can we do something fun instead? Right. Someone in the article uses um, other people's brains because they, they, they're attacked in a situation. And then mm-hmm. they ask family members, like, is this like, can you help yeah. me out? Like, yes. is this something that you've seen too? Or yeah. which yeah. I thought was amazing. Yeah. Because there's a, this other thing and I'm like worried about listeners who are going to do this. <laughs> there's this other tendency we have uh, when I do this, I think we all have this possibility is to internalize everything and make it your fault. So yeah. when when people start hitting the detonate button in your life, you're like, oh shit, like I'm a bad person. You're Googling, like, am I a narcissist? Like what's happening? You know, and it's right. It, if you ask other people and lay out like as as objectively as you possibly can, here are the facts. Here's what happened. We were at a party. I said a joke. I thought it was going to be funny. They got super offended. I didn't even realize the implications of that. And now they told me they feel unsafe. 
Yeah. And then it's like, okay, someone who's got all capacity will probably say, well, you know, we live in a time where we have to change the way that we, we joke with each other in public. And so you made a misstep. You didn't realize, could you circle back to that person and say, um, you know, I'm really sorry. I had no idea the implications of that joke. Here's like, let's look back at our whole relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, like, right. What can I do to make that up to you? And, and see, see what's there. Right. Take the, take the, Mm-hmm. Big the view from up top, you know. Yeah. yeah, there's so much the time, and I'm getting better at it as I get older. But when I am able to say to myself, "Wow, you're having a really strong reaction right yeah. now," yeah, yes, like, something's going on. You yep. know, yeah, that is so powerful when you're able to do that. Yep, completely. Because then you're choosing your behavior. You're not beha- behaving in a compulsive way. And your behavior that, that you choose from that space of awareness might be the same. Exactly. But it's going to feel totally different because you're in this space of like empowerment and like, okay, no, I've thought this through. I waited a little bit and I still think I need to yeah. tell this person to go pound sand, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. But, but that moment of like, this is yeah. something's off here. Like, the, yeah. you know, there's some alarm bell going off and I'm going to take a look at this. Yeah. That's where the growth is, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's a huge, huge step when you can get awareness about what your what your reactions are without yeah. judgment. Like, oh wow, I'm feeling super irritated. Right. What's what's going on? You know, right. that's not like, oh my God, I'm irritated and I can't be and I'm a terrible person and I always go to this place. Blah blah blah. It's just like, no, what's up? But say what you need. That's the one that that's gonna yeah. haunt me because that's that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. If you practice that in your daily life, when you have conversations, it is life-changing. And it's like a little bit awkward at first, but I started doing this with process groups I was doing over the pandemic, where if it was an open space, people would talk about, they would like raise their hand to speak. And then they would talk about something and it was like, well, okay, well, what are you looking for validation? Do you want um, some information about what this looks like from like a stress response level? Do you want advice? Do you just want people, do you not want advice and you just want to feel heard? Like, what do you actually need? Um, And so we started making people like anytime they raise their hand, it was like, first say, what I'm looking for is validation. I don't want you to fix this. I really just want to say this to 20 people and then dip out, you know, like yeah. what, but if you do that in your relationships, you notice that like you actually get what you need and there's a lot less friction because instead of having that, like, Oh my God, I I see this with couples all the time. I come home with a problem and I say it and then my partner just wants to fix it and they don't hear me and I feel dismissed. And the partner's like, well, I'm trying to fix it and I don't know why that's not good enough. And you know, that yeah. whole dynamic. Well, you're not asking for what you need, so you're not getting it. Right. And the other person is not also, you know, articulating what they need to feel effective when you have a problem. You know what I mean? And you're not disappointed when someone can't read your mind. Right. Yeah. Because I think we we end up like accidentally testing people. Oh, all the time. And society sets us up for this. Like if they really loved you, they would X or Y right. or Z. And it's like, what becomes psychic? Like, right. Good luck with that. No. Yeah. It's so much more kind to be like, I see what you're doing. What I was looking for is this. Can we pivot? That's good. Pause. Pause. I made that up. Feel free you're to s- use it. You're smart. <laughs> you're wicked smart. Wicked smart. And yeah, I think we need to, there's this book, um, 
by Stanley Cavell, which is not, it's like a philosophy book when he's writing about Emerson. I think the, the title was, must we mean what we say? Oh, and I think about that title all the time because it's like, we, I think we run around with this knowledge and we're, we're saying things we don't mean and we don't know what we mean. So the answer to the question, must we, right. Must we mean what we say is yes. And if you don't know yet, then you got some work to do. Right. Yeah. Don't throw the grenade just yet. And exactly. The other thing I just want to say is that like, this keeps coming up and I haven't really seen anyone talking about it. And I, I, that, that I find alarming. We have not begun to process the stress of the pandemic, which is still going on. Yeah. And so we find ourselves in a moment where we are a lot more reactive, where our um, our energy stores are depleted. And so yeah. we f- our relationships feel like they're a lot more work. And that's a normal thing, given what we have been going through. You know, Right. We've also kind of lost some of our interpersonal skills, I think. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> All like it's, I, 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 yeah, I'm so, I'm frustrated at myself. That's why I'm stumbling because I'm like, I, I don't think we can go back to normal because it's not, we have to make a new normal, but I'm, I'm really frustrated at like basic interactions. And I keep finding myself being like, can we just go back to normal where you could like bump into someone and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's not a big deal. And then go on our merry way. Do we have to like, (laughs) you know, I know. It's the same thing that's happening in this article. It's like someone does something to you in the grocery store and you're like, what? And it's like, right. People. Right. Calm down. Chill out. Pause. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, again, there's this also this remove of like, we are nervous. We taught our nervous systems that anyone outside of our house was dangerous. Right. And then we expect to just go back into the world, take our masks off and have everything go back to normal. Like, no, we need to bring our bodies into safety again and be like, other people are okay. Right. And I, 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 when I think about like, like the Boston Marathon bomb that we were talking about recently and like these, these horrific events that have happened September 11th, you know, these, these things that have happened in our lifetimes, we can now go back and talk about like, okay, that's what it felt like. And that's what the day was. And that's what the week was. And that's yeah. how we yeah. all felt as a society afterwards, yeah. you know, and, because there are these very small windows of time. Yeah. The pandemic was this extended like yep. situation. Yeah. Still going. Right. And, and we have not, weren't, no one's talking about like, Oh, remember when that video came out where you had to like, you know, wash your groceries before you oh put them God. on the counter? And, oh, I fucking you know, forgot about that. You know, like, uh, like that, how crazy was that? And that felt like we're, we're not there yet, you know? Right, right, right. And I don't know how you get there with a long-term event like, like the pandemic and, you know, the, the different kind of, yeah. um, I, I don't want to say damage, but damage that, that it can do. Um, no, I think damage is the right word, you know? Because it was extended. I'm wondering, like, maybe, maybe that's the reason why we're all, or why so many of us are reaching for the language of unsafe. Yeah. It's because we have felt that way and yeah. we haven't metabolized that at all. And to answer the question about, like, how do you metabolize something that's so long term? This is the difference between simple and complex trauma. Mm-hmm. When you have the Boston Marathon bombing, you can talk about those that was that happened over a period of there was the event and then there was the search and it was like seven days. Mm-hmm. 
And so you can break that down in a way that is more difficult with the pandemic. That doesn't mean that the trauma from the pandemic is better or worse. It's just different. Right. If you had a fractured hip or you had a fractured like arm bone, what's this thing? <laughs> Forearm bone, whatever. The hell. <laughs> what's a paper comic? Um, you would have a different treatment plan. Right. And that doesn't mean that like one thing is better or worse or whatever. Like that hierarchy doesn't matter. They're like the doctors wouldn't be arguing about like, well, it's a an arm bone fracture. And so like that means that this person doesn't deserve care because it's not as bad as the other, you know, like right. Exactly. Stop. But but the human behavior, the interpersonal things, like, you know, working with the public, like I remember yeah. like going back or like, you know, whatever, like when we could go back and people, I would say like, were people always like this? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Because they would start like yelling, like before they even crossed the threshold. And then yeah. it was like, you know, a, a drive by, like, you know, you got yelled and I'm like, whoa, like, is it because yeah. they didn't talk to anyone for a long period of time? Like, I don't, and it's kind of, you know, that's calmed down definitely, yeah. but it's, um, yeah, we forgot how to like regard one another. Yep. Completely. And again, like that's, that's stress. Yeah. We've had, we've had stress. So when you notice you're, you're just like you said a minute ago, when you're more reactive than usual, something is going on. Like right. we don't, we went into the pandemic as a culture, especially in this country where we had no coping mechanisms whatsoever. Nothing. Right. Right. We can either drink or like numb ourselves in some other unhealthy way. And it's, um, we, we, as we kind of come out of the stress, if that's what's happening, we, we, ha we need to keep an eye on that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I want to like kind of wrap it together by talking about like the fact that we have awareness without education mm -hmm. and that. I think one of the most dangerous things that we can feel as human beings is that we know a thing. And then we can rest in that knowledge of like, yep, I got it. I understand. I got an email the other day. I don't know if I told you this, where someone was asking for recommendations and then said, don't send me any books. I've read all of the psychology. I read I'm a psychology all minor. I've read all of the psychology. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I went to school for like 75 years. I read lots of shit. I have not even come close to reading all the psychology. I don't know. <laughs> Kudos. You should, I should be asking you for recommendations. I haven't read all the books. Like what the fuck? You, it's, but it, the reason it's dangerous is because we don't reflect. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I understand narcissism because I watched, you know, some Instagram reels about it and it's like, okay, no. What you understand are some common personality traits that happen and that's valuable. Right. But we need to understand that the real knowledge needs an educational scaffolding mm -hmm. that is not present when we're having any of these conversations. No, they're just sound bites. They're not yeah. the deep dive. And it's it's interesting too, because I've been posting things on TikTok and trying to like get my whole thing is getting education out to people who maybe don't have access. And and people are like, you're a sham. Like <laughs> They pop in in all caps and they're like, she has a philosophy degree. She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Blah, blah, blah. So I posted this video yesterday and I was like, okay, here's my background. Like, it's not a secret. You can Google me and it's all that you can look at everything I've ever written. Number one, but number two, like if I was going to bamboozle the internet, like 
<laughs> number one, this is a really long and costly con that's getting me absolutely nothing. But two, like I would like to think I'd pick something lucrative. <laughs> or at least interesting like i don't i don't right so there's that's another space where we have a lot of like suspicion but we don't have any like critical thinking skills yeah so we yeah. just fling suspicion at people and it's like well, okay hold on you know right right let's talk about how to actually find out if someone is an expert you know you, you just have to laugh at that shit it's ridiculous oh to- totally totally that podcast that i recommended i've had it um to you, they like read their hate mail and they wrap up. It's so funny. It's so funny. I have someone who helps me with social media and we meet every week and we share screenshots of the things. Yeah. That like reviews and stuff that are just like hilarious. God, people are nuts. But if you take it personally, it can totally take you out, but you can't because people are, people are, you know, (laughs) there's, then I, it's just like, I, the thing I'm like, wow, you're angry. Like this is what you're doing with your free time. Right. You could be on TikTok getting information and watching like cats, you know? You, right. But you're you're commenting 15 angry comments to a stranger? Right. This is you've what never, you're choosing. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that says a lot about you. Totally. Someone, I have to share this because it's so funny. All of the book reviews have been so positive, like shockingly so. I've been waiting for, because negative reviews are number one, going to happen. And two, they're actually really helpful. Because you can get a sense of like, oh, okay, here's what I didn't articulate well, or here's what I want to do different in my next project or whatever. Um, but someone wrote this uh, review. I won't read the whole thing. But she she misunderstands the the whole point of the book in a way that makes me think she didn't actually read it. Um, and then she says, as a trauma therapist, I disagree. But I am not a TikTok therapist with tons of followers who's convinced the world they're presenting the world with a revolutionary PTSD idea. So what do I know? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm a TikTok therapist? I didn't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't have tons of followers. What are you talking about? It's like bitter party of one. Yes. I, right, right. It's like, wow, reread it. Something obviously resonated. <laughs> you shouldn't be shocked that the reviews are positive. Well, you know what I mean? Like people are yeah. so, I think in this day and age, people are so, um, they treat everything like they're, they're writing a restaurant critical review, you know? Yeah. Like the $300 risotto was great, but it left a little bit of a mouthfeel that I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's a short bucket. She didn't talk about this completely obscure thing that nobody talks about. It's just, you know. What? It's always someone. It's always someone and it's important to look at the trends and, and whatever, but it's also funny to be like, okay, wow, that's, that's, this is about you. Right. If there is a trend, if it's a one-off, it's just right. a one-off. It's, oh, right. totally. Yeah. 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 By the way, if you have read the book, um, reviewing it, I didn't know this until being, until publishing in this regular trade space, um, Amazon reviews push everything, okay. which I did not know about. So if you've read the book, and you liked it, uh, feel free to, I would love it if you reviewed on Amazon, even if you write one sentence, um, it's super helpful. I'm gonna have to get on a look at your reviews again. It's been a while. They're good. There's a lot, there's like almost 50 and then there's almost oh, good. 60 on Goodreads. So it's like, I was like, wow, damn. I don't really look that often, but, um, when I do, I'm like, oh, damn shit. People are reading it. Shit. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> 
Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, if you want to email us, ask us anything, um, cancel us, whatever you'd like to do, email us at thetraumatapes at gmail.com. And that's that. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.